The following podcast is going to contain spoilers along with me, just a regular guy, talking about all the things I love, such as comics, movies, television, music, and books. So yeah, proceed at your own risk. Welcome to another episode of Just Another Fanboy. I'm your host. You can call me Steven. That's pretty much the only thing I'm going to answer to. So you might as well use it or not. I'm not here to tell you what to do. I'm just here to talk comics. And today we continue on our journey, our quest, our quest of elves, our elf quest. <laughs> hmm. <laughs> hmm. When last we left our intrepid elven warriors, our wolf riders, their home, the forest that contained their home, was in flames, set fire by the humans, forcing them to find safety in the caverns of the trolls, a place that they didn't want to be and a place they were not really wanted. And they ended up, well... Not making the trolls very happy. And it all started when Skywise found a rock. A magnetic rock. A giant stone the size of a basketball. Or maybe it was slightly bigger. And he was all obsessed with it. And then the king of the trolls, Grey Monk, punched him in the side of the face. Because he didn't want him touching his rock. Cutter, blood of ten chiefs, and Skywise's bromantic partner threatened the king. Said he was going to cut him, was going to stab him. But instead, he just carved off a little piece of that rock for Skywise. So in revenge, Greymung sent one of his troll buddies, Picknose, and said, hey, why don't you take these elves to the tunnel of golden light? There you will find a mighty forest, even better than your previous home, where you can live for generation upon generation and bother us no more. And the elves said, okay, that sounds good. And so off they went, but they were deceived. For when they found the end of the tunnel of golden light, they found a desert, sand and sun, as far as the eye could see. But they couldn't turn back because Picknose made the tunnel collapse behind them and he made his escape and so they were trapped and that's where we pick up with issue number two called raid at sorrow's end they are in the tunnel it's really bright out there man they don't want to go out there but they can see way way off in the distance very small on the horizon mountains of some sort they can't go back over the land that they just went under because the tunnel opens out, it's on the side of a, of a sheer, the bottom of a sheer cliff. They walk out the tunnel, they turn around, cliffs just to either side, as far as the eye can see, rising up so high, they are too high to climb. So they have no choice. They can just stay there in the tunnel or they can head out. 
but they're not quite sure what to do. And so they're, they're chilling in the tunnel and Skywise is holding his rock. He had gathered pieces of everybody's hair, woven them together to make a string, which, you know what? If a dude had done that, if a man, if a human had done that, little creepy, little creepy. But he made a, a, a necklace, a, a band out of everybody's hair and he hung hung the stone from it. He hollowed out a little, put a little hole in it and he hung it. Then he was sitting there holding it up, letting it rock back and forth on its hair string. Cutter gives a little tap, plink, and the thing spins. And when it stops, one end is pointing out the tunnel to the sand and the desert and the sun. The other end is pointing back the way they came to the collapsed wall. And so he does it again, plink, and it spins and it stops pointing the exact same way. And they're like, whoa, hold on a minute, yo. This is a sign. This is pointing us forward. We must go. We must go forward. And so they wait till nightfall and they leave the tunnel and they travel at night. And it's very cold at night, colder than they thought it would be. But they travel by night, rest during the day. They try to, they create makeshift shelters from the tanned leather that they're wearing so that they could hide from the sun. Because these elves are not, they're, they typically go out at night. That's when they do all their hunting. They, they hang out at home during the day. They're inside, away from the sun. They go out at night. They do their hunting. They're not, they're not like vampires. The sun's not like, and they start hissing whenever the sun is out. But they do prefer the nighttime. They like the nightlife. They like to boogie. So at some point, they realize after, I don't know how many days away, they see they're, they're coming up to some hills. They can see some hills in the distance. And they feel like if, if, if there's hills, then maybe there's a chance for some, some more shelter, a uh, more permanent shelter from just being out amongst all this sand and sun. But Red Lance, if you remember him from the previous issue, previous, previous issue, if you remember him from the previous issue, he was the one that started the whole thing. He was captured by the humans. They were going to sacrifice him to their god. The wolf riders saved him, and they ended up killing one of the humans during the rescue, and that's what caused the humans to take revenge and set fire to their forest. Well, he and his mate, Nightfall, good Lord, is that her name? Anyway, he's still injured. They beat him up inside pretty bad. He's, in, he's got internal injuries. He can't make it any further. Any farther? Any further farther? He can go no more. And so he decides to stay behind and Nightfall stays with him. If that's even her name, I didn't write it down because I am an idiot. I think that's her name. Anyway, so Cutter leaves him his last water skin and he tells everybody else in the group, we face the final trial. When next we rest, it will be in the foothills at Sorrow's End. And they set off that night and they make it to the hills the next day and they're setting up camp, but they're out of water. They can't find any water. And then Cutter is walking by a cactus and he accidentally gets pricked on the hand by one of its needles. And being 
a rational person, he yanks his sword and he cuts the freaking cactus in half. And then when he looks at his sword, it is wet. And everybody is pleased. Hey, Cutter, the chief, he found a freaking plant that stores its own water. So they have some water for a little bit. And then they decide, Cutter decides, he and a couple of the, couple of the fellas, decide they're going to climb to the top of the hills, see what they can see, see what's out beyond. And when they do, they're in for quite a shock. Because on the other side of the hill is a village of elves. You should understand that by this point, the Wolf Riders have never encountered other elves. They've been pretty closed off in their little forest, their holt, doing their thing. So it's not only amazing that they have found other people living in this desert, they happen to be elves. And they're looking down at them, and one of them says, look, elves, just like us. And Cutter says, no, not like us. Their skin is tanned. They live out in the open air and the sun during the day. They don't look like they're hunt. They, they, they don't walk like hunters and warriors and, and all that. And they say, look, they've got water. They've got food. Maybe they will share with us. And Cutter says, no, I'm not asking for help anymore. We're going to go down there and we're going to take it. The wolf riders take what they need now. No more asking. And so he gathers up his warriors and they get on their wolves and they ride down into the village and they raid the village. They're stealing food and they're stealing water. And everybody in the village is freaking out because none of them are really warriors. But down in the village, there are two people that we meet. Lita and Rayek. Lita's female. Rayek is male. And he's, he's hitting on her. He's like, come on, girl. You know that I am A number one. I'm the steak sauce up in this village. Why won't you be my life mate, girl? Come on. And she's like, look, you arrogant jerk. You and I may be friends, but I don't know if I feel that way about you. But she's being kind of coy about it. She's like, well, hmm, maybe I will. Maybe I won't. And he, he takes a hold of her. and He's like, come on, baby. And she's like, well, why don't you let go of me? And then we'll, we'll talk. And he goes, all right. And he lets go of her and she runs away. <laughs> and he says, oh, you you silly thing. And that's when the wolf riders come down and they start raiding. And Cutter, as he's, you know, raiding and stealing, he suddenly finds himself face to face with Lita. And he looks her in the eyes and she looks him in the eye. And he's just like, what? Badunk. And he's just stunned. He's never seen anything so beautiful in his entire life. There's something about her, something that he cannot resist. And so he snatches her up as well. He throws her over his shoulder and they all ride away. Ha ha, we've stolen all your stuff and we've taken one of your women too. Ha ha, and they ride away. So Rayak gathers up the men of the village to go get Lita back. And they're climbing up these, this, 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 this hill, which is not a, it's not a gentle incline. It's very sharp. They have to climb. It's like a cliff. And he's, He's taking the lead and the others are behind him. And he's like, come on, you filthy dogs. Keep up with me. We have to get her back. And they're all like, oh, swoon. You're the mountain lion of this group, Rayak. Oh, I'm sweating. I cannot do this. And he's like, fine, I will do it all myself. And up top, they're watching him from the, from the cliff top. And they're like, whoa, he's, uh, he's pretty persistent. 
And so when Rayak shows up, up there, a little fight begins. And at one point, one of the, one of the elves, he, he gets up there and he's like, face me, basically. I don't remember what he says. And one of the elves, I think, I think it was Pike, he kind of pokes him with his spear a little bit. Puk, puk. And he's like, you're not in the right place, buddy. We got you surrounded. And Rayak looks him in the eyes and he does some mental f- thing to him, just this mental kablooey. And Pike's like, boing. And he's just freaking stunned. And everybody's like, oh my gosh, he can do things with his mind. Get him. And they realize it's like he can, he can send, but that's, that's what they call it when they talk to each other in their head, sending. He can do that, but he can do more with it. So they tackle him and they take his headband and they pull it down over his eyes so he can't see. And they're all struggling on the ground and Rayak is yelling at them telling them to get your filthy hands off me, you wild dogs. And he says, by the lost dwelling of the high ones, you'll pay for this. Now, I don't know if we made it clear, and by me, I mean the royal we. I mean both me and the peenies, because we worked on this together, right? I don't know if it was made clear in the first episode of the first issue or both together in conjunction. The high ones, there was the scene in the first issue where this palace appears from the sky and lands among the humans and these tall elves come out and the humans start killing them and the elves run off into the woods. They are the high ones. And this palace that they came out of is the quote-unquote lost dwelling of the high ones. That will mean something more later. But of course, as he's, as he's yelling this, the rest of the elves are like, what? You know of the high ones? Speak, black hair, is what they call him because he's got black hair. Because they're not, you know, they're not very clever. They're like, how do you know about the high ones? And Lita says, we are all descendants of the high ones, stranger. Can you not see that we are all of one race? And like that, they're friends. I mean, they're not like buddies. They're not like, ha ha, sorry about taking you, slapping each other on the back, giving each other high fives. It's kind of a a tense friendship at that point. They take the elves down to the village to meet everybody. Hey, everybody, here's the people that were just raiding us and stole all our stuff. Don't worry, we're friends now because we're all elves. And they realize that maybe what they did was not the smartest thing because you know what? We told them that if you just if you needed food and water, all you had to do was come down and ask. And they didn't know that they could do that because they have faced a lot of adversity recently. And, and we have to forgive them for that. We have to find it in our hearts to forgive them. And so this is how we meet the sun folk. That's what they're called, these people in the village. And Lita uh, introduces them to her father, the sun toucher. He is some type of religious figure. He is blind. He says that he gave his eyes over to the day star many years ago. So basically he stared at the sun until he went blind. Not sure if that bodes well. I mean, it seems like something that, in, uh, you know, an idiot might do. But he, he, he did it freely because he thinks that the sun is really cool. So these, these elves are sun worshipers, basically. And so then they go to meet the mother of memory. And they take the elves into this adobe structure with carvings and paintings all along the walls around the door on the outside. 
And they go in and there's this elf sitting in this chair, this woman, and she looks like she's a bit taller than the rest of them. And she says to them, welcome, my ragged young visitors. Welcome to sorrow's end. And everybody is stunned. And as the reader, you're like, what? That's what Cutter said back there. He said, we're going to find the, what we need at sorrow's end. And she said, sorrow's end. What's going on? My mind is freaking blown. But you don't know because the issue's ended. Sure, I could just turn the page because I'm reading the collection, but still. And I already know because I've read it before, but that's how that issue ends with a big to be continued. So this is still some really good stuff. I mean, we're only two issues in and a lot has happened to the Wolf Riders. They get burned out of their home. We meet the trolls. We find out that the trolls are not to be trusted. They cross a desert, which when they start to become friends with the sun folk, they tell them, yeah, we crossed the desert. And Rayak, or the black hair, as they call him, he's like, bah, nobody can cross that wasteland and live. And they're like, we did it, dude. Who's got two thumbs and crossed the wasteland? These guys is... We got more than two thumbs. There's a whole bunch of us. We're, you know, we're a freaking tribe. Okay? Shut up. Rayak, black hair, jerk man. Who you calling a man? Sorry, elf. Said their home was burned out by humans. And they're like, Pah, humans. We've heard of them. Oh, I forgot one part. So when they get back to the village, when uh, they, they make friends with the sun folk, and Cutter is explaining what happened to them, he remembers that, Frickin' Red Lance and Nightfall are back in the in the desert. And so he asks, is there a healer among you that can help? I, I, I left a couple of folks out there. Can Is there someone among you who is a healer that can help? And of course, guess who the healer is? Lita. She says, I will help you. I will go with you. And Rayak says, bah! She says that a lot. Bah! He may not. I'm just making that up. That just seems like his attitude. Bah! You're not going alone. Sister, sister, gross. You uh, you were wooing me not that long ago. I didn't mean sister. I meant lady. And so they climb on the backs. They have like these, they look like horses crossed with camels. They're kind of horse-like, but taller than a horse. They have kind of horse faces, but they have feet like camels instead of hooves. Cutters on his wolf. They ride out. They find Red Lance. And she, Lita, heals him using magic. So not only can the elves send, some of them, like Rayak, can do a little more than send. He can use that to just mess with people and freeze them in place and make their, make their eyes go all swimmy. But some of them now, obviously, can heal with just a touch. Really good stuff, folks. Elf Quest, again, epic, epic story. We're only two issues in, and already they've already gone on a pretty epic journey. You would almost think at this point, well, it's done. They've made their quest. They quested across the desert and found a new home. And they did. That's part of it. But the quest has not actually, it hasn't actually begun yet. The elves have not officially started questing. But we'll get to that, folks. We will get to that. Remember, you can read along with me at elfquest.com. You can read these issues for free right there on your computer. 
I'm reading from the collection, which I think is just called the ElfQuest collection or, or, or something to that effect. It's available at Comixology. You can get it through Hoopla. You can buy it. I found, I talked uh, in the first episode about this when I talked about the first issue. I talked about the books that I had, the big magazine-sized collections, full color. I found two of them. I was over at my parents' house, and my dad said, hey, you got some boxes still here in storage. You want to take some of them with you? And I said, sure, and I grabbed a couple. And they were not stored in a great place. They were stored in their, their shop out back. So while they were not in the elements, they didn't get rained on or anything. They were not in a climate-controlled building. And so they're not in great shape. They're in pretty crappy shape. I found two of them. I got the second and the third one, or maybe it's the first and second. I don't, now I can't remember. I actually have them in the back of my car right now because I haven't taken them inside because they're, I felt really sad when I picked them up. I said, oh, these are just, I'm really happy that I found them, but they look like crap. There's no way I could sell these. And I started to cry a little and my tears hit the book and magically they were fixed. Wouldn't that have been awesome? That's not true. That's not the true story. Anyway, I'm done, folks. This is the end of the episode. My name is Steven, and I'm just another fanboy. Be nice to each other. Peace out and stuff and everything. Just Another Fanboy is a presentation of the Stephen or Else podcast. Questions and comments can be directed to feedback at stephenorelse.com. You can support the show for as little as a dollar a month at patreon.com slash Stephen R. Orr and get instant access to the My Other Podcast podcast, a weekly show about whatever crawls its way into my tiny little mind just moments before I tap record. You can find me on the World Wide Web at StephenOrElse.com or find me on Twitter and Instagram by searching for at Stephen or Else. I also encourage you to subscribe to the show, leave us a five-star review, and share this episode with a friend. Just Another Fanboy is a proud member of the Comics Podcast Network. You can find that over at comicspodcasts.com. All links will be in the show notes. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line. Prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. Bet MGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus and present in Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1 800 Gambler in partnership with MGM Northfield Park.